This is SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, leading the way. Ladies and gentlemen. What's there, Mama? 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. How do you do? How do you do what? Show me the smile. If you can't play something nice, don't play nothing at all. Very nice. You can sit by me. Everything's so wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, get up. Come on, get up. Where are we going? Up to Neverland. You must kiss me. Excuse me? Please, princess. One kiss. Unless you beg for more. Hello and welcome back to The Secrets of Disney, part two of our analysis of Dumbo. Joining me again today, Deborah Shaben and Father Jay Finelli. We are going to analyze the movie bit by bit and um, we'll talk about all the elements, uh, themes, story elements, the inspiration for the story and uh, any other thoughts that we have. (laughs) And hopefully that will... Uh, make you want to rewatch the movie. Uh, hopefully, it'll give you some almost like a running commentary of the movie on some DVDs. You have that. You have the director's commentary now. Of course, we are unable to give you a very technical commentary like you will find on the Blu-ray and on the DVD of the of of Dumbo, or at least the the latest version that's out there. Um, but we can, you know, share our own thoughts about uh, uh, some of the elements of the movie. Well, let's um, let's start with the beginning of the movie. Uh, the credit sequence the movie is again has a different beginning of uh, uh, there's no fairy tale book because this movie supposedly takes place in 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 modern times well for us of course it's uh, it's uh, it's the past but at the time uh, the the world surrounding dumbo is not a fairy tale world it's the real world mm-hmm. and so uh, the uh, there is no story there's no storybook there's no fairy tale book um we uh, we see a credit sequence, a very colorful credit sequence. Um, uh, again, it was pretty um, uh, pretty much of an innovation. A lot of the movie credit sequences in uh, around in the forties were very kind of bland. You know, you had the background motive, and then you know some 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 fonts. You know, a lot of these Disney movies have very boring opening uh, uh, titles. Uh, but this was extremely colorful. Uh, uh, there is the, the circus music in the background, and so immediately you get into the mood of, well, every every uh, credit looks like something that came from a circus. So it, it brings you in the mood of the story. Um, the opening tells us that we're in Florida. Yes, the, my own, my that's own where you live, um, and and uh, springtime is upon us. So uh, actually, we gather that uh, Florida is the winter home of the circus, and yes, yes. now spring is near, and with spring come the new babies, <laughs> the uh, the offspring, and so we we see the stork arri- the storks arriving in uh, in this uh, V shaped formation, dropping all their uh, cargo. Among the the animals of the circus, and so uh, everybody is uh, thrilled with their babies, except for those just the hippo sleeping, <laughs> doesn't even wake up. Um, and then, of course, the only animal, the only uh, character that doesn't get uh, 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 a gift is uh, Mrs. Jumbo, and so she's all sad, and she was clearly expecting, but um, her 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 wishes were not fulfilled. 
Now, uh, what I liked about the the beginning of this story is that, and and of course, this is kind of tied to the symbolism of the stork. Um, it's kind of a, an easy way to uh, to at least kind of give give children an idea of where the babies come from without going into much detail, which would be inappropriate for Disney movies anyway. But uh, it's kind of a it's almost a metaphor of of children being a gift. And, and and literally a gift from heaven because that's what the storks they they come from the sky, and uh, and and it's almost like Christmas morning. I <laughs> mean, you know, all these these uh, animals they wake up and it's like oh, there's a child, there's a baby, you know, and they all are just you know they react with the same glee, with the same excitement as children on uh, on Christmas morning with their with their presents. And so um, the uh, for. What will happen to Mrs. Jumbo? We'll have to wait for that. We see Casey Jr. Um, the 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 train. Uh, we 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 have this um, uh, sequence where the all the animals uh, step onto the train because, of course, the winter is over, and so this is the beginning of a new adventure, of a new season of the circus. Everybody uh, seems to be quite happy to uh, go on this journey, except, of course, for Mrs. Jumbo, and then. Um, well, Casey Jr., uh, of course, uh, is a living object. Uh, he, he or she even talks. Well, the name implies that he's a he, but the voice, the voice actor was a was an actress actually. And um, and so I th- I found it interesting to see that this train that we're introduced to the train in Florida, and uh, in one of the sequences with Mister Stork, we actually see him looking over a map, I think, and then we kind of look down on Florida and we see the train, the train tracks, literally, and it's almost—it looks almost as a map of Disney World. You know, when oh. you when you go and you you <laughs> you go to Disney World, you get these very colorful maps, and you know, part of the map is the train tracks of the of, of the you know the, the the famous train over there. It's it's so interesting to me because, you know, I, I didn't exist in a world without Walt Disney World. You know, I was – Walt Disney World is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. So I'm obviously not 40 yet. But um, – so it's hard to imagine in 1940 that little space in the middle of Florida was all swamp still. There was no, nothing. Yeah. There was nothing. Yep. They, was, Disney was, was thinking about Anaheim as the, the – the home turf of uh, of Disneyland. Actually, I don't know. Were, were the plans already underway, or came that was that something for later on? Maybe a little later, because um, Walt Disney or Disneyland didn't open until 1955. So maybe in the later 40s after the war. Um, so About we... 49, they started planning. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it's almost as if this movie is already predicting the future. And uh, I think that the designers of these maps that you get at Disney World, they definitely. Uh, uh, took some uh, some inspiration from this this map that uh, Mr. Stork is uh, is using to <laughs> find the train where he has to drop off dum- uh, Jumbo Jumbo Junior. And, and not only that, yes, um, Florida Sarasota, Florida is the winter home for the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey cir- circuses. Oh, really? In oh, fact, interesting. If you go down to that area, you can go to the Ringling Museum of Art. You can go to the Ringling <laughs> um, College of Art and. Um, and uh, science, you can go to the Ringling Street and Ringling Town and Ring. <laughs> so there's like this big circus um, area down in that particular portion of Florida, and it's still there. Okay, so let's talk about Disney's fascination with trains. Uh, what what do we know about that? 
he he loved trains. <laughs> oh, he was he was a big railroad enthusiast, and and like me, it started when he was a kid because he had an uncle who um, was an engineer on the ATSNF, which is the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway. Mm-hmm. His uncle was Michael Martin, and as a kid, even Walt Disney. Uh, as a teen, sold newspapers and candy and soda on the Santa Fe as a summer job. Really? Oh, yeah, what a he, cool summer job. Oh, wouldn't it be awesome? Just going <laughs> around amazing. the country on these trains. Yeah. Wow. You know, and, and also, as as we all know, it was on a train that Disney thought up the idea of Mickey Mouse doodling away as he was traveling. Oh. Um, so he had this huge yeah. fascination. Huh. And so he um, and 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 he was not the only person to have this fascination with uh, with trains. There was a very popular children's story at the time called the the little engine that could. Um, and f- between 1906 and 1930, that story uh, was told and retold in many children's books. Every every child at the time knew that knew that story. And uh, it, it, it's possible that Casey Jr. is kind of a kind of mirrors the popularity of the of the train uh, at the times uh, at the time among kids. And it's true, you know, in every almost every boy at the time, at least in this country, had a Lionel train set. And Lionel even made a girl's train. It had all fluorescent like pink and blues and greens. Wow. So kids had them and what kind of train was that was it just a toy train that you have to, have to do you have to move it yourself or were these trains already engined did they can did they have electricity or or were they steam trains or they were electrically powered they had steam and um when diesels came out they started making diesel trains and you'd put the little drops or pellets in the in the smokestack and they'd also make smoke and they had lights and sounds hmm. and uh Disney loved his Lionel. In fact, across from his office, an, inv- an adjacent office at his studio, he had a huge Lionel layout. And that's really what brought all of his, um, all the people that worked for him that were into trains together. And that's where it sparked everything that happened after that. Huh. Interesting. So the, the, um, the book The Little Engine That Could um, actually features a, a train that's very similar to Casey Jr. Uh, in, 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 uh, in a way that, that the train, too, has a face and is a, is a character in that story. Something that still works even today because there's this uh, very popular animated series for small kids called, uh, what is it, Thomas the Train? Thomas and, the Tank Engine. Oh, yeah. Well, my, my nephews, they're all over that. They love that. And it's exactly the same concept. The, the train is even blue, just like the the little engine that could it was originally a blue train. So they just uh, stole that. <laughs> you know what I think it is? It's you know, not only the face, but the puffing and the chugging. All of that gives yeah. the child, this even adults, this idea that this thing, this machine, is alive. Is alive. It's talking. Yeah. It's moving. Well, and there is something uh, of a fascination with especially steam trains. I mean, the, the the train that you have in your backyard is a steam train, right? It's a real steam train. Oh, definitely. That's um, they're real, it, it, even to the sense that you. It's like a tea kettle, you know, a teapot, and you plug yeah. it up. Well, you build the fire in that thing, and you get it going, and you uh-huh. come up to your steam pressure, and the the uh, the um, uh, steam uh, uh, pops out of the um, uh, um, the valves, the pressure gate valves, mm-hmm. and the whole thing runs like a full size train. 
Yeah. My dad used to have a little steam engine, a uh, very popular toy at the time, at least here in Europe. Uh, and I remember it looked like a bit like a factory and had this little um, container, a metal thing, and you would just put water in it and then you would heat it up with these little... I don't know what it was, candles or something, but it could get. There was real pressure building, and then it had this little wheel that would start turning, and you could uh, connect it to all sorts of other devices. And uh, according to my dad, a lot of kids at the time were playing with that, and uh, it was kind of a poor man's steam train because it wasn't yeah. a train, but it did have the steam. And so it's something that they could replicate, and they could turn it into a toy. So uh, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it, it's amazing to see that 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 the train and, and and a lot of the trains that the kids nowadays play with are just still modeled on these ancient steam trains. That's so much more, um, it, 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 I don't know. It's more romantic, I guess, than than modern electrical trains. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, and and that's really what was the inspiration for Disney Disneyland over in California, you know, mm-hmm. because Walt's men like Ollie Johnson, the, the great animator, he was a live steam enthusiast. He had a backyard railroad, and when Walt heard about that, he had to go and see it, and he actually um, uh, sat down on this engine and pulled the throttle for the first time, and that was it. Um, oh. He had a fire burning within him. Huh. He had other guys like um, Ward Kimball who had actually uh, – um, a narrow gauge railroad, the first one in the in in all of California, I think even in the nation, in his backyard on his ranch in California. Um, Roger Brogy, who was his head machinist in his studio, and after Walt went to um, Ali Johnson's, um, he came back to to the studio and he said to the guys, "I have to have one of these." And so together ah. they they took the drawings of a full size. Mm. American style, which would be a four four zero locomotive, mm-hmm. that was. Um, what does uh, that operative. What does that mean? Four four zero. All these sequ- number sequences. Well, the sequences. Okay, so you have the first four. So it's a set of three numbers for this particular engine. The four yeah. is the four wheels on the lead truck. They have no power, but they kind of guide it down the track around the curves and everything. Then the next four are the main drive wheels. They have the power. They have the rods going to the cylinders that actually power the locomotive. Okay. And the zero means that there's no trailing truck behind it because some of the later uh, trains and some of the early ones might have had a 240 or a 222 um, would have a trailing truck to keep it on the track also. So the middle number indicates the the, the overall strength of the engine or the, the, the of the train or am I it would that be wrong? it would be the powered drive wheels that we call them right, right, and right, right. and that would be what has the tractive effort the the strength of the engine oh, okay so casey jr is a 240 so yes despite that it's a small train he's still strong he's small and i think he's actually a 240t which means he's a tank engine he doesn't have a big tender behind him uh-huh. but it's kind of attached to the locomotive itself that's where the water and the coal are oh okay yeah. So they in in Disneyland they built this first uh, uh, train track and and this little train. Uh, well, but actually, it was before that. Oh, um, really? Walt got them going, and they built this um, one eighth inch scale locomotive, which is the same as I have, one and a half inch scale to the foot. And it's he used what we call seven and a quarter inch gauge. That's rail to 
to rail, the space between the rails. And he built his own backyard railroad. He had 2,615 feet, which is 797 meters of railway track around his house. Hmm. Um, he had tunnels. He had switches. He had a 46-foot trestle. He had overpasses. And the reason he had the tunnel was because his wife Lillian didn't want him to go through her flower garden. So they actually legally drew up um, that he had a right of way to go through her yard in a hilarious way. And he incorporated his railroad. <laughs> wow. Well, and he even had a name for his railroad, right? He did, the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad. And it was actually on 355 North Carrollwood Drive in Holmby Hills. Uh-huh. And uh, when Walt um, died and they sold the estate eventually, the, the people, they, they ripped up the track. And um, Walt's famous barn was going to be demolished. And the Carrollwood Pacific Historical Society, which I belong to, saved the barn. Oh. And it's, it's now in a park in California. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. And so the, the the train in Disneyland and Disney World, is that Casey Jr. or is that a different train? Actually, there are a number of them. <clears throat> uh, the the oh. Actually, first, the, uh, the trains that are in Disney World, Disneyland and Disney World, actually the Disneyland ones were actually built by his staff. They got prints of locomotives and they scaled them to the, uh, the size and gauge they want them to be. Mm-hmm. And they actually built them right there in California. Okay. Whereas in Disney World, they went searching down in South America for old locomotives and they brought them back here and restored them. Oh, really? So they're real yep. trains. It's not fake. Are they steam trains? Oh, they're all real steam trains. Wow. They converted them all to run on oil uh-huh. so they wouldn't be burning coal. Oh, wow. That's cool. Hey, and, yeah. and uh, just before we start recording, you had a little sound clip of what you hear once you enter the train. Was that the train in Disneyland or Disney World? It's, I believe it's Disney World. Here it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'll play that. Okay. Your attention, please. <laughs> the Walt Disney World Railroad, now boarding for a scenic trip around the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> now your heart must be beating faster when you hear something like that, Father Jay. <laughs> it may, actually outside. makes me happy. It, seriously, that clip made me very happy. I'm like, oh, a train trip. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm ready to go outside now and steam, you know, but it's yeah. raining and it's cold and it's damp. I can't. In uh, in Disneyland Paris, uh, so the European Disneyland, they have actually Casey Jr. as a as a ride, but it's a uh, yes. it's it's as not well a real as train. Disneyland in California. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. looks yeah. really cool. I'm looking at some some pictures here on the web, uh, and it's circling a, a a miniature castle in the middle. But it's it's uh, more of a roller coaster type of ride. But it, it definitely is Casey Jr. And instead of sitting in a in a regular uh, cart, you're sitting in one of these circus uh, uh, wagons. <laughs> so it's, uh-huh. it's pretty neat. Must be a, you know, a there short, are tr- there short are railroads ride. in every every uh, Disney park because what Dis- Walt Disney said, I just want it to look like nothing else in the world, and it should be surrounded by a train. Hmm. Oh, awesome! And then, of course, you've got uh, his fascination as well with the kind of the future of the trains, and so there's also the monorail, isn't it, in uh, in Disneyland, uh, oh, and yeah. uh, some other stuff. Yeah, it was copied a lot by other. 
theme parks as well. I think every theme park, uh, every self-respecting theme park nowadays has something that looks like a train or a monorail circling the the premises. But but Disney came up with all that. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, back to the story of Dumbo. uh, And back to uh, Casey Jr. He's already on his way uh, with the circus train. And that is when f- we finally uh, meet Mr. Stork, who's carrying this mystery package. Uh, we can tell that it's heavy because he, at one point he puts it on a cloud and keeps uh, kind of dropping through the cloud and he catches it in time. And uh, at one point he's just staring at a map and then, you know, it, uh, he almost loses uh, Jumbo or, or the, the whatever it is. And uh, I, I love the animation on that because it's uh, this, this Mr. Stork is uh, this frail bird and clearly of of you know advanced age, and yet he has to carry the the heaviest uh, the heaviest animal, and and he finally finds uh, Mrs. Jumbo, uh, and that's when we first meet Jumbo, and actually it's it's Mrs. Jumbo that uh, calls him uh, Jumbo Junior, and then uh, Mr. Stork sings. Uh, to my great surprise, Happy Birthday, which is a copyrighted song. <laughs> you cannot sing that without paying royalties. <laughs> so uh, that, was, that was pretty cool. And then, uh, yeah, that's the end of Mr. Stork. And then, of course, uh, well, th- this is where the drama immediately starts. Of course, Mrs. Jumbo is over the moon. She's so happy. And it's, there's this very uh, cute sequence where she cuddles... Uh, Jumbo Junior, and then at one point I think he sneezes, and that's when the other uh, the elephants that first are very uh, enamored with uh, this this newborn um, uh, elephant, they see the big ears, and that's when the whole uh, attitude changes. And it's like we we don't pff, what a what a what a freak. <laughs> and they talk like like adults like the he is a real f r e a k and they do that several <laughs> times <laughs> exactly you know and it's it's sad because they are adults and they should know better but they they start treating uh you know it gets back to that point of um you know why are people so born so differently why are people why you know and in this case the elephant why is it you know born on a different looking different than all other elephants. What's the point of that? Well, well yeah, and there's immediate, there's immediate rejection uh, mm-hmm. of, of um, someone who is different and looks different. Uh, and instead of looking at, um, well, of appreciating it, uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, we don't want it. The, the female elephants, by the way, were never named on screen, but in the draft we uh, hear that they are called, uh, they wonderful names, Matriarch, Prissy, Catty and giggles, <laughs> and so very uh, good. And yeah, there, so. there are some more elephants later on in the story as well, but these we know the names of these four. Um, in in a way, they they are similar to the seven dwarfs. Uh, the the names describe their personalities, um, and so because they look they look similar, they must be differentiated by the way that they move, and and so they they definitely have their uh, their uh, different characters. But the one thing they have in common is their rejection of poor little Jumbo Junior that they rebaptize as Dumbo, and they laugh about it. And um, and of course, uh, with that, um, they they hurt. Well, the, the the Dumbo doesn't even realize that they're mocking him. Uh, mm-hmm. His mom does, but she protects him, and she kind of she doesn't care. 
so this was um it's a it's a very uh, emotional scene um and then the we we go to the next scene where again Casey Jr is uh is pulling this the story forward he uh, pulls the train into a town and um the uh, apparently according to what i read there's even a, an explicit quote from this storybook this children's book called the little engine that could i don't know exactly what the quote is but uh, they make a direct reference to that book and then you get this oh um i think oh, i can sorry. i think i can what is it i think i can i think i can I think I can. He goes up the hill and he says, I think I can. I think I can. And then he goes down the hill and he's like, I thought I could. I thought I could. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So that's the direct reference. I thought you were saying, I think I can remember the quote. I was like, what? what, what?" (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. Um, Now, then all of a sudden, we get a we get a very interesting sequence. Um, the The circus tent has to be uh, 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 put in place, and the weather is terrible. It's uh, there's thunder and lighting and rain. Uh, special effects. It's it's uh, weather effects. They look spectacular, even though you can tell that they're not as um, as well animated as the weather stuff that we saw in uh, in Pinocchio and in Bambi, but still imp- impressive animation. But the, here, the the big thing is the workers that we see. Um, the racial overtones of this sequence uh, are very clear. The all the workers here are black, and they sing a song that kind of really evokes kind of the songs that the slaves at the time would 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 sing to keep the, each other motivated. And it's really hard work. We don't see the 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 white people here of the the, the circus owners. Um, the only other animals that are helping, and this is I think where the movie kind of tries to make a parallel. It's the elephants. The elephants are working just like the black workers. Um, and uh, uh, it, the elephants are kind of the underdogs here. <laughs> they have to work hard, and, and little. Dumbo is doing what he can to help out, and of course he can't do much. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting. What do you think of this, uh, Deborah? Was this was oh, this well, something? Uh, is this a political statement that uh, the animators tried to make, or is I this get, just? You know what? It's it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking, oh, I didn't catch that. Um, it could have been because you know there we got to remember back in the forties we still weren't in you know equal rights. We, you know we had separate but equal under Plessy versus Ferguson, but we weren't too, you know, Mm -hmm. um, equal rights for all. So yeah, it could have been that it could have been that, that class division. Um, interesting. I never picked that up. Yeah. It's it's, it's the first thing that struck me. Apparently there's not, not, there's not been much debate about this sequence. There's been a lot of debate later on about About the crows. crows, Yeah. But, uh, here it's, it's, uh, it's very obvious and, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I I I guess the the way it was drawn, I I just kind of got the impression that it was, um, kind of big, burly, faceless guys. Yeah. And that, and it was just late at night and we're just supposed to see these these kind of no name um overworked circus workers. Oh, they're clear, clearly uh, African American workers and and they sing the song and they complain about not being paid much and uh you know the hard labor and bad conditions and uh, yeah. 
don't know. Yeah. It's, inter- yeah. know. it's interesting. In- interesting scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, anyway, what it what it does, and and I said that only the elephants are helping out. That's not true. There are also uh, two camels, I think, carrying some poles, but that's about it. But we get to feel for a little Dumbo, even though he's so small, he, he still has to work. It's child labor, <laughs> and uh, again, it, it feels it, it feels like a kind of a threatening situation, and uh, and and the size of this tent, you know, it's just. Wow, the elephant, the, the the power of the elephants is established here. Um, something I think that that later on is used in the story when the, you know the we have this little unfortunate incident during the first show that uh, that Dumbo is involved in. Um, we get to see the strength of these animals, and so later on when uh, when things go haywire in the circus, uh, that that is kind of the payoff of, of what's established here. Uh, these animals are dangerous. They're strong, and they. they they look very peaceful, but wow, uh, they have some serious strength. They can <laughs> they can mess up a lot of things if they get mad. So um, the next scene is again a stark contrast with the previous scene. Uh, the the building of the tent was all in in extremely bad weather. The next day, sun is shining. We see the the end result of all the hard labor. We see the big tent, uh, and then we get this this parade. Um, uh, great, great sequence. Uh, uh, very joyful. We see the clowns and everything. Uh, we see the elephants clearly, and uh, it reminded me in a way of the uh, the the parade that we see in one of the more recent movies by Disney, which is um, the Princess and the Frog. You know, at the end, you've got the Mardi <laughs> yeah. Gras sequence, mm-hmm. and I think that that particular parade uh, again is, is has contains a lot of references to. This parade that we see in um, in Dumbo, mm-hmm. and of course the music as well. It's uh, it's all very bright and very cheerful. Yep. Um, recently, Orlando hosted um, um, the circus came to town here in Orlando, and um, my friends invited me out because before they do the circus, they have the parade of animals still to this day, where they parade the animals out, and you can take pictures, and you know, so it's it's kind of a nice little tradition they still have going on. Yeah. And then after the um the exuberant scene and again I I I said before that this movie is all about contrasts, contrasting mm-hmm. color, contrasting atmosphere, uh but also contrasts in emotion. We've got this big scene out there with all the people and it's it's busy, it's noisy, it's cheerful. And then we switch to this very moving bath scene where uh Dumbo gets his first bath and I love the animation in that scene. It is so beautifully done. And the 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 noses, <laughs> the, the you know where where uh, the the uh, what, what's her name? Uh, Jumbo, Mrs. Jumbo, uh, caresses her son and then bathes him with her with her nose. It is it is wonderful. And touch in this scene is very very important to establish the relationship. And it's the it's the noses and the eyes. The eyes are extremely important throughout the movie to convey uh, emotion in in this movie. Um, so uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Mrs. Jumbo uses her trunk to wash her child, uh, to lift the child, caress it. Dumbo pulls on his mother's tail. Uh, it's this whole physical connection between a mother and her son that. Uh, establishes the 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 tight bond which is story-wise extremely important because later on we really care for both 
Dumbo and his mom when they get separated. And so that mm-hmm. that's why there is this tender scene which, you know, doesn't contribute anything to the mo- to the story. There's no no plot advancement, but it's very important for the establish uh, for establishing the emotional relation. Um and so um uh, immediately the, the next contrast is the reaction of course of the uh, of the other elephants they start to gossip they uh they um they they don't like him and then of course we've got the um the children that start to tease dumbo because of his ears and it's interesting when they originally animated this sequence of um of the children teasing Dumbo, they made it a lot more elaborate where the, the redheaded kid with the big ears, mm-hmm. <laughs> that the one that Mrs. Jumbo actually spanks, mm-hmm. um, they had animated a few other sequences where he goes and he rides Dumbo like it's a dog. And, 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 and they, you know, thankfully took that out. I think we, you know, as an audience would have probably been outraged. It would have been too much. More taunting. <laughs> yeah. And in a way, these kids uh, remind me of the, the, the evil kids in Pinocchio. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Kids are evil. Uh, they're terrible. <laughs> they're mean. And so uh, um, uh, Mrs. Jumbo is very protective, of course. And so she just gets mad and tries to protect her kid and 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 it turns into this disaster because uh the all hell breaks loose and then of course the circus director enters it, it didn't know what happened and just thinks that Mrs. Chumbo has completely gone bonkers and locks her up and uh and that is the fir- that's where the drama really starts so um the, 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 there's this big separation um we uh we see <laughs> the um what, what happens next i forgot um oh yeah that's, that's when that's when the elephant starts gossiping and there's like well this is all you know this is this is what happens and it's all dumbo's fault so dumbo gets charged with the uh the 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 blame of of uh, what happened of of the incident and that's where we get introduced to Timothy the mouse and he is uh, very much uh, like uh, Jiminy Cricket uh, in uh, Pinocchio he becomes uh, Dumbo the, the, at first he's he's not really involved but he listens to these other other elephants and he's like you shouldn't talk like that and uh, you know uh, you shouldn't blame it on this this little boy and and you know I don't mind his ears of course Timothy has big ears himself as well so he sees no problem in those ears <laughs> And uh, and it's interesting uh, when he starts to realize his own moral uh, obligation there because at first he's just an observer. He's like, I cannot believe that these elephants are so mean. And look at this little Dumbo. I mean, he has no friend in the world. And then he's like, well, wait a minute. Doesn't that mean that, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't I do something about this? And this is kind of where his moral conscience kind of awakens. And he's like, I will do something about this. And at first... He thinks that he can kind of correct the the behavior of the elephants first by scaring them, and then by berating them. I mean, just this long speech, <laughs> and of course it doesn't work because the elephants are are really scared. There's this lovely scene where they all jump on chairs, and and again it's very, uh, very much like uh, what what some people do when they they see, see mi- mice. mice. They just yeah. jump on chairs. Something that I never really understood. Are you afraid of mice? Deborah? Me no. no, I had a I had a pet mouse as a child or a pet hamster. So I, no, I don't. 
Wait, and what? unless they jump out at me from bushes or that's, you know, I'm, I'm more <laughs> startled when things jump out. But. What about, what about you, Father Jay? Are you afraid of mice? No, not no. at all. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I've never well, understood I, that. I thought I mice wanna, were cute. I want to back up for a second. I'm sorry. I'm uh-huh. gonna, I want to ask a question, which is, do you, I, you said that it was his moral imperative to step in. And well, I don't know. <laughs> I, well, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, taken aback by that because, you know, how often are we, is it our moral imperative every time to step in and stop, you know, stop injustice like this? Well, yeah, sure. I, I think that that that's that's the moral story here. That the, the movie is addre- is is uh, talking to the audience here. It's like you should do the same. You you know, if you see someone who has no friends, who is uh, put down by other people, don't just sit there and observe. Do something about it. You know, defend the 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 weak, and if possible, become their friend and help them out. And uh, and I think that's exactly what you know that that's that's been the role of the United States also in the Second World War. At first, they were just observing what was going on over there in Europe. Then they got involved. They got attacked. All of a sudden, they were you know kind of caught by surprise, and there were there were there's an enemy. And then they were like, well, we have to. We have to do something. We have to do something uh, about the, uh, not just the people that attacked us, but we have to do something about this Hitler dude and what he's doing to the countries in Europe. And and so they turn into the the, the protectors and the you know the they got involved and and uh, and got into action. So the uh, the way that uh, uh, Timothy does this is by um, first trying to become friends with Dumbo, and there's this. Funny sequence with the peanut, you know, and the nose from the from the hay, <laughs> the haystack. <laughs> it's very funny. And then he's like, "Well, um, Dumbo." He starts to think, "How can I re- uh, uh, reestablish Dumbo as a part of the community? How can I give him a role that everybody will respect?" And so, very quickly, and this is where the 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 role of Timothy departs from the character of uh, Jiminy Cricket. He becomes almost the manager of Dumbo, uh, whereas uh, Jiminy Cricket stays in his role as the conscience, uh, mm-hmm. and it's mostly Pinocchio that makes the wrong decisions. Um, in this case, Timothy comes up with all these new ideas of, you know, you could be the climax of this new circus act with elephants, and uh, here's how we're going to do it, and that will, you know, gain your respect. You know, everybody will respect you because you will be the summit of this of this new circus act. And so he plans it all out, but of course he's just a mouse. What does he know? I know what can he do? And so he uh, witnesses the first shadow sequence in this movie, where we see this conversation between uh, the uh, ring. Uh, what's his name? The r- ringmaster. The ringmaster and and, his- and Timothy. And I, can I can I insert yeah. a little trivia into here? Sure. Okay. So, um, and this is really, um, I guess, if you're a, for- a film buff, you'll know what I'm talking about. But um, in order to get Walt's um, animators kind of in a, in a mood he used to show various films it all over like you know the the films of the day silent and and likewise and one of the films that was one of their favorites was uh and i'm, I'm gonna probably mess up this name uh nosferansu the mm-hmm. the first german silent dracula film oh wow and the actual shadow sequence uh-huh. is exactly if you look at it it is exactly like the shadow sequence in Nosferatu. Ah, so it's an homage. It's a it's a homage to that particular movie. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I was I was wondering about that because there are several of these shadow sequences. Like what? Well, where did that this one come from? Well, yeah, is, it was just, a direct homage to that that first Vogue. Dracula movie. Yeah, it was fancy to do that. Every mm-hmm. modern movie does does have a, a shadow sequence. <laughs> yeah, but it looks really cool, and it's uh, uh, um, despite the fact that it's just shadows. There's a lot of good animation in those sequences because actually it makes it much harder to convey what's going on um and so they, they I, I, Rhea, I thought it was very interesting um the um so uh, he talks to in in the ear of the director of the ring director when he's sleeping kind of whispering this whole plot of, of how the this circus act uh, what the circus act could look like and that's what we see in the next scene it's this uh, incredible sequence totally impossible in real life where these elephants do some kind of inverted pyramid on top of a big ball and then Dumbo is supposed to jump on something and then land on top of that huge elephant pyramid. And I think if you look at all these s- sequences and you you count the number of elephants, it changes all the time. It goes from four to five to seven and then to back to five. And and even the animation of the elephants is not really uh, consistent, consistent yeah. and things tend to move around and float a little bit. But again, that was because of the small budget uh, of this movie. And so, uh, and and of course, uh, his eye, his ears are literally a handicap. Not not only uh, may, do people ridicule him for his ears, but he trips on them, and and so these ears are just a hassle. And, they're they're a burden. <laughs> yeah, they're a they burden. really are. And so they're when we when he enters the arena, he, they're tied up in a knot. <laughs> yeah, Timothy ties them up in the knot. Yeah, and then he takes out a little steel courage and pokes. Pinocchio with yep. our Pinocchio pokes Dumbo in <laughs> with a pen to get him going. <laughs> yeah, and then of course his uh, the knot gets uh, uh, gets loose undone. and then undone, and and he trips on on his ears. He bumps into the big pyramid and it destroys the entire circus tent. <laughs> a total disaster. <laughs> Amazing animation, um, but my goodness, what a disaster! Even- even when the circus tent is collapsing, if you look very closely, they made it look like an elephant collapsing. Oh, really? Wow, yes, did. I didn't, I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course, people at first they they laugh, they think it's funny, and then when the whole thing starts collapsing, you see all these thousands of people running away. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then the piece de resistance at the very end of that whole scene is um at the end you see this this you know tendon collapse and then you see dumbo's eye and he raises his little flag yeah. with a d on it to kind of symbolize that it's done his surrender yeah he was <laughs> supposed to wave that flag on top of the big pyramid and now he's yeah, like so he's i surrender <laughs> and it breaks off right it's yeah. like even that doesn't work so then, yeah, the, yeah, the other elephants ban him, and uh, literally say that he's no. We don't consider him to be an elephant anymore. Uh, yeah, so very sad. He's literally uh, a, uh, an outcast now. And and then this is where we see Casey Jr. also change his tune to a very sad, very minor um, tune, where he's you, he predicts the the sad coming of events of becoming a clown. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what happens next. He is definitely now a clown, uh, which everybody looks down upon for some reason. At least the animals do. Um, and so uh, the um, the clowns act, and this is very interesting. I didn't notice this, uh, but I read this in this analysis uh, 
of the animation on, on that website. I, I got a link to that analysis. It's unbelievable. It's like 24 blog posts with pictures on, <laughs> on Dumbo. Uh, amazing read. Uh, very technical, but uh, uh, the, um, the, the author of that blog um, notices that the whole Clowns Act actually parallels what happened before. So you see the, the, the clown with the elephant head uh, is shrieking, Save my baby! So that's a parody of the of uh, you know uh, the uh, Mrs. Uh, Jumbo trying to protect Dumbo from the kids uh, earlier in the film, and then a clown whacks Dumbo's rear to get him moving, just as Timothy Timothy did to get him moving in the pyramid sequence. And then uh, Timothy was attempting to launch Dumbo as a success, and the clown is forcing Dumbo to take a pratfall. And then finally, uh, Dumbo has a rattle clutched in his trunk where he earlier grasped a flag to crown the pyramid. So the actions earlier in the movie are here replayed as a farce, basically saying Dumbo's life is a joke. And and the animators kind of took care to make sure that the clowns weren't funny at all. That yeah. this scene was it's it very was going lame. To be yeah, it's not funny at all. So you really feel for Dumbo. It's like the the uh, utmost humiliation. And uh, the clowns themselves, by the way, more, more look more like robots. Uh, their eyes are just black dots, and there's you, you don't feel any sympathy for these clowns. Uh, they're just mm, instruments for Dumbo's humiliation, and you really feel for the poor Dumbo, even when they they try to catch him. You know, it, it turns out that he jumps into the, the whole thing. Um, what do you call that? That sheet that they... Um, it's, a, uh, it's kind of what the firemen do to rescue uh, people that jump from fire yeah. buildings. Into a, like a tarp or a... Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he, goes, he goes straight through and he, 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 he falls into this bucket of, what is it... Um, Glue, or <laughs> I don't know, or uh, Cream, plaster. Probably big pie. Who yeah, knows? Milk. Who knows? <laughs> it's humiliating. Yes. And then um, the uh, then we have the second shadow sequence where the clowns um, clearly thought that this was a big hoot and it was a big success, and let's make this worse. Um, you know, let's do something even more dangerous. Um, let's put that that little elephant all the way up in the top of the. Uh, you know, in the in the near the ceiling of the tent, and then you know, there's one clown is like, "Well, isn't that dangerous?" And then the one of the clowns says, "Well, hey, elephants have no feelings." Yep. And again, this this I was like, I was thinking back of that earlier scene where the elephants were kind of compared to the black African American workers that had to work so hard, and about the racial stereotypes that you know, black people, well. <laughs> Who cares about them? You know, they yeah. they have no feelings. Well, minorities in general, yeah. Not even just, not even black, but you know, the way minorities were, yeah. You know, basically saying uh, the clowns here say exactly what the other elephant said about Dumbo, and that is, we don't consider you to be a, a real elephant. Uh, we don't consider you to be um, to have any value. You know, you're, you're, we don't respect you. Um, uh, and you know when you say elephants have no feelings, it's basically treating Dumbo as an object, uh, and not as uh, I would say a person. But in this case, uh, not treating him as an elephant. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, again, it it is showing you the uh, what what happens when people start treating each other as objects 
and and uh, that that's what happens in a war. You know, you you hear these stories about um, the the bombs falling on. Uh, 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 you know, in in Pearl Harbor and, and in Europe during the war, uh, and it's destroying lives. But, but you you don't see the faces, you don't see the you only see the numbers of the victims, and and it's this uh, dehumanization that war brings about. Um, mm-hmm. That that this movie definitely um, it has issues with, and, and and tries to correct, or at least tries to show what it does and how much that can hurt. Because of course, Dumbo is starting to you know, he's growing up, and he starts to feel that. Wow, I have no friends, and and he he finally starts to uh, to um, experience the effects of all this rejection. Fortunately, mm-hmm. Timothy is there, and they're now good friends, symbolized by this. And this was so funny. Uh, you see Dumbo's trunk holding Tim's tail, so they just walk as if they are both elephants, because <laughs> that's how elephants walk, <laughs> at least in movies, and. Um, so uh, uh, you know, uh, t- t- Timothy is is already again thinking about what can we do? How can how can uh, uh, Dumbo save the day? Um, what can I do for my friend? And then they drink some water. And in the previous scene, we've seen. Oh, sorry, you you, you were about to say you, something. You he they first Timothy wants to cheer Dumbo up, so they take oh, him to see Mom. And, I totally and skipped then, the, and, the, you know, the entire scene. Yeah. audience sobs because of Baby Mine, and and Dumbo's more depressed than ever. Absolutely, <laughs> so the audience at that point. You're right. I totally skipped that very important scene. <laughs> I know. Oh man, yeah. And then t- first he tries to cheer Dumbo up with you know food with uh, peanuts, and then it doesn't work, and nothing helps. And then he's like, "I got to bring him to his mom." And then the con- there the contrast is amazing. I mean, her- his mom is locked up in this isolation cage, and it's just all these warning signs. It's just the most dangerous animal ever. And uh, and then you know Dumbo tries to reach through the window with his trunk, and then his mom can't really reach him and so it's it's with the nose that they touch and she caresses him and then there's this beautiful song baby mine uh and and the animation the secret to the animation in the scene is watch the eyes the eyes say it all right. and it's because you see dumbo you know holding back tears and tears free falling and then you see his eyes perk up when his mom kind of cradles him and and it's all this tenderness involving extreme emotion in the eyes yeah and this is i think where everybody starts to sob in the audience because because you've been (laughs) you've been witnessing the love that united them before you root Mm -hmm. for dumbo and then you see all this humiliation and 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 uh, that's why the previous scenes were so terrible and you you're like oh no this poor little elephant it's not his fault and then you get the kind of emotional um explosion here of where you you're really like there's there's oh they found each other and that and then yet they're still separated and there's even in the the way that the the scene is lit uh there is contrast uh, uh when when dumbo is trying to reach his mom he's on the side of the of the wagon that is lit by the moonlight and so there is a little bit of hope there and then when dumbo walks away uh his his mom tries to kind of wave at him with her trunk from the other side, from the other window, uh, the barred window in the on the other side, and that side is completely in the shadow. And even her trunk is kind of almost entirely in the shadow, to symbolize, of course, that wow, again separation, and then everything is dark. 
Isn't it mm-hmm. funny how dark these children's movies were at the time? I mean, we're, we're, we tend to think of Disney movies as being these cheerful, everything is okay uh, uh, movies. Um, but a lot of these movies, the first ones were very dark. Yeah. Very gloomy. Well, I, thought, I, I disagree that they haven't changed any. I think a lot of the Disney movies nowadays are dark too. Well, to be yes, honest. there is always this this moment in the movie, and this is just part of the storytelling uh, where the, the hero has to go through darkness in order to be redeemed afterwards. Mm-hmm. But uh, wasn't it you that said in um, Pinocchio that 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 the the weather is almost throughout the movie is there's almost it's no dark. sunshine. It's yeah. all dark. And here there's a little bit more variation. There is sun, sunshine. But even when the sun is shining, that's a new moment for, for Dumbo to be humiliated. So even the sunshine isn't really safe. Right. Daylight isn't even safe. So, uh, yeah. And then we get to the scene with uh, the, the <laughs> clowns plotting their next act. And uh, they drop a bottle of alcohol in the water. And Dumbo and Timothy accidentally drink uh, from that water. And they get to completely drunk. Now, I was, at first I was like, huh, that's interesting. In a, you know, the, the main protagonists of the movie get drunk. And that in a, in a time that, well, there, the censorship was, was very strong. But I, I guess they got, got away with it because there's no, you know, they don't glorify it. And it's just basically comic relief. <laughs> and 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 um, almost an excuse. And it's also to, a plot device. You got to remember, yeah. they got to figure out a way to move the plot forward and... And alcohol seems to work. <laughs> so, yeah. And since when does a bottle of alcohol cause water to bubble? All these, all these floating it's a bubbles. Champagne. It's champagne. Oh, it's champagne. I was like, well, why the bubbles? I didn't get it. I was like, <laughs> it's champagne. So it's a, it's a bubbly water. And and they had to find a way. The animators had to find a way to get Timothy immediately drunk. So that's why they made him fall into it. Yes. So. um yeah, so and that so, kind of was a quick fix to that. Yeah, and then and then we get the whole uh, uh, hallucination scene with the pink elephant. Uh, mm-hmm. Amazing Classic. animation. Uh, very mm-hmm. looked a lot like Fantasia. Some of the scenes in Fantasia, um, but it's shorter uh, than than a lot of the musical scenes in previous movies. Again, probably because of the costs and and the, even the animation itself. Even though it's it's very well done, it's very. Uh, um, Kind of avant-garde, um, with freaky colors and everything, but it, the, there's not much. The, when you compare it to the other s- sequences and the later sequences in these in Disney movies, it's kind of simple. You, you've got a few animals in each scene, and it's it's not as um, over the top as some of the other sequences. Uh, by the way, the whole pink elephant theme um, was, and I looked this up on Wikipedia. Uh, of course, we we know pink elephant kind of immediately. Kind of symbolizes uh, alcohol and, and and the effects thereof, um, but it it stems from 1913 from Jack London. The phrase was used musically by George Olson and his music in the 1932 recording below. Uh, yeah, that refers to uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm just reading this. I'm not even thinking. I'm just reading my, my script here. Uh, but anyway, Disney was not the first to use that theme of pink elephants as the basis for a song. Um, yeah, I think there's a on the Wikipedia page. There's a, a YouTube video to the uh, to the the song about pink elephants from 1932. So, and I don't know who that Jack London is. If that is Jack London, wrote Call of the Wild um, and several other stories that were about um, life in the um, 
in Alaska the and the and the mm. American um, Northwest. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah. Uh, do you know about Call of the Wild? Just out of curiosity, I've heard it. But it's um, a story about a a dog, um, a sled dog. Oh, and it's right. a, it's a very touching. It's almost almost like Dumbo in a sense. It's a story told from the dog's point of view, hmm. and it's a very touching story. So. Did move? Did uh, Disney already turn that into? Yes, a movie? they did. Oh, they, they did. Turned it into a live action movie. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> I think it's been turned into several live action movies over the years. So oh, cool. Yeah. All right, we might talk about that in another show <laughs> sometime <laughs> in the future. Well, anyway, the 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 whole pink elephant sequence, the dream sequence, is uh, very much circus themed, and it's almost like a nightmare of uh, of what happened before to uh, to Dumbo in this uh, act going haywire. Um, but the, when he wakes up, he is sitting in a tree, and nobody knows how he got there, and uh, so apparently. He has somehow has flown there, and he has no recollection of that, which is something apparently happening to people that have had a little <laughs> bit much to drink. They usually don't hap- They don't realize how they ended up there. <laughs> Did that ever happen to you, Father Jay? Or is no, that something that you might want to discuss in the confessional? <laughs> not I. It's only after the Mass that I don't know where I am. Because, <laughs> of course, the consecrated wine still keeps all the accidents in uh, Catholic theology, so you can still... Suffer the effects, even though it's turned into the blood of Christ. <laughs> That's right. It's no accident. <laughs> okay, let's stop. All the, we're, we're, all the, the listeners here, the non-Catholic listeners are like, what? What? What, <laughs> what are you talking about? Sorry. That's what you get when you put uh, two Catholic priests in, in one podcast. Anyway, the, um, the, the, the sequel, this is a very, very famous or infamous sequence because it features crows. And they talk with a very African American accent. Now, Deborah, you wanted to talk about this scene because there was there is a little bit of controversy around the scene because yes, the lead crow is called Jim Crow, and Jim Crow is a reference to laws that were made to separate black and white, and mm-hmm. so you know they'd make these what they call Jim Crow laws, and so that yes, it is a very obvious racial. Uh, statement going on here and hmm. because crows also in a sense are are um as far as birds go are not welcome birds for the most part if you you know yeah you have crows in a field you you don't want them there so there's there's a definite obvious statement going on so you could think that wow wow there's a, there's racism in this disney movie but i think i think that's not the case because it's actually, the, case. the crows actually become protagonists. They become the mentors of, of Dumbo. And they become his teacher and his father figure. <laughs> Absolutely. And in a way, there's a little, little bit of tension between the birds and uh, Timothy, the, the mouse, at first, which kind of, again, could refer a little bit to, you know, racial uh, uh, segregation. The... the uh, uh, Timothy is like, go away, you know, these stupid birds. He's still a little bit, he has a big hangover from the day before. And uh, and then he's like, you just fly back to where you belong. Um, mm-hmm. And then the crows are like, well, hey, you are in our space, actually. <laughs> and that's when they, re- they realize that they're on, in this, you know, in this tree. Um, and then the birds call Timothy a rat. 
Which is kind of uh, again, it's a he takes offense. He he he's really offended by that, and then he calls them scarecrows. So there's a lot of kind of uh, back, back and forth back between and forth. Yeah. The, the 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 mouse <laughs> and the birds, uh, and and unfortunately, that's also uh, what was happening. Of course, uh, be, you know, in the with all the discrimination, yeah. and even this I, whole thing, the you know, fly back to where you belong. It's used even by uh, some politicians. Politicians nowadays to 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 say that about you know uh, non-native fill in the blanks is like go back to your own country you know you don't belong here there's no acceptance. Well, and there's a wonderful quote I wanted to sh- uh, show uh, share about this the symbolism behind the crows in this particular scene, and um, and I don't remember who said this, but it's uh, the crows are member of a traditionally downtrodden race helping other oppressed individuals. Um, some help, but it offers children and adults who are watching this movie um, the idea that to be weak and alone is not one's destiny. The The most unlikely characters can help the meek inherit the earth. Hmm. And that's, that's the quote that I was like, oh, that's really a great quote for this scene. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because it, they become the heroes of the story. Without them, Dumbo would have never really learned how to fly. Um mm-hmm. And uh, the, 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 of course, at first, they, d- they don't believe that he can fly. Uh, and mm-hmm. then there's this famous song, you know, When I See an Elephant Fly, uh, mm-hmm. which reminded me, by the way, and, and, and forgive me for uh, another Catholic reference here, but uh, I was told a story in, uh, when I was studying theology about Thomas Aquinas, who was um, uh, this gigantic theologian, uh, both in, in terms of what he wrote, but also in his size. He was, he was pretty overweight. Uh, and uh, actually, he was so obese that they had to cut a hole in the table so he could reach his plate. Oh, really? That's, I, uh, that's what they say. Um, but again, he was a very holy man um, and uh, extremely naive. Actually, very much like Dumbo. <laughs> and um, at one point, his, uh, his fellow... Uh, 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 brothers uh, at a monastery where he was staying. I don't know if it was his own monastery or whether he, he was often away teaching. Um, they made fun of him and he was very gullible. He, w- he would believe anything. And so at one point they come to him and they say, Thomas, Thomas, there's a, outside there's an elephant flying. You have to see this. And so he gets up and moves to the window and looks up at the sky. And then the other brothers are like, oh, we can't believe that you just walked to the window and we're talking about an elephant that's, that's flying. Come on. Why did you believe that? And then he answers, according to legend, according to the story, well, I'd rather believe that an elephant would fly than that one of my brothers would lie. <laughs> Such a holy man. <laughs> so for me, yeah, when I think of Thomas Aquinas, I, I think of Dumbo. I don't know. Um, anyway back to uh back to reality well back to dumbo uh the the, um uh there is um uh, tim's speech to the crows basically about you know you have to accept dumbo and um uh, again there's a, a shadow on dumbo's ears um, so he's standing in a morning light. I don't know if that has symbolic value, but uh, um, it, the shadow makes him look bigger than he actually is as a mouse. And then initially they laugh at Dumbo, but then they, uh, just like Timothy, they kind of, you know, they feel that there's a mission for them here. They need to help this little elephant. Um, and they, and this is great, they offer him a magic feather. 
<laughs> and with that, you can fly. So they are clearly, uh, you know, they must have studied some psychology here. <laughs> they placebo use effect. the placebo yes. effect exactly. You can fly. You just have to believe that you can. And so, uh, of course, this could have led to a dramatic scene, um, but uh, and it almost turns into a dramatic scene when when Dumbo again has to do that same act where he's jumping from a, a, a burning building. And then he loses the feather. And then you think, of course, that he's going to crash, you know, and it's going to be this. He's going to lose his self-confidence. And then if the movie would have been two hours, they would have taken this moment and they could have done a whole, you know, sub story about this. I mean, if I would expand the story, it would have been right here where he would have. And this is actually what happens in a lot of modern movies where the hero loses confidence. It's like the, the symbol of his strength. Uh, disappears. Think of Spider-Man. You know, Spider-Man. Uh, he, at one point, he uh, he he dumps his suit into the can, and that's when he st- he stops having superpowers, and he he can't jump anymore, and 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 his his eyesight uh, returns back to what it was, and 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 uh, so he has he lost faith in himself, and that's when he loses his superpowers. And I actually even read an, an analysis. Um, that Dumbo is actually the first superhero <laughs> because it, this is exactly a superhero story. He can fly and then he loses the feather and then he loses confidence. But, but you know, the movie is just about an hour. So immediately he realizes that he's, he still can't fly without the feather and that, that's what happens. And then, you know, he... Uh, he flies, <laughs> yeah, and he bombards the other elephants with peanuts, just like a World War II airplane, <laughs> which must have been very pleasing to the uh, audience at the time in the middle we of like the war. We like to see people get their comeuppance for being mean. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we like to see it. Payback time! <laughs> payback time! Exactly. And um, and and I think that there are even some sounds that remind of of uh, the sound of airplanes. In that particular scene. And that's where the movie wraps up really, really quickly. Uh, we see some flashes that uh, Tim Timothy has become the Dumbo manager. He gets a prize. Dumbo is now a star. He gets a contract with Hollywood, which at the time was probably um, kind of what, what people imagine to be the summit of success in your life if you had a contract with Hollywood. Uh, his mother gets... Uh, uh, re-established. Um, he gets this awesome, awesome-looking wagon that actually looks almost too modern for the time. You know, it's this this metal thing. It looks very futuristic. And uh, and then of course, uh, Dumbo is flying with the with the crows, and all is well. Happy ending. <laughs> yeah. And so, happily ever after. Yeah, exactly. If, if you go through the final scenes where you, where they show the accomplishments of Dumbo, again, that would have been great story material. Um, if you go through it frame by frame, there are a lot of reference to the 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 things going on at the time in the in the thirties and forties. Um, Dumbo, in one of these flashes, uh, sets a an altitude record. <laughs> well, that's that was totally the thing at the time, you know, with uh, Charles Lindbergh and mm-hmm. Amelia Earhart, and uh, yeah. they were all trying to break records. And so this time it's Dumbo that breaks the uh, the the records. Um, then we have Dumbo Dumb Bombers for Defense, uh, a reference to the war in Europe, um, and then uh, the Hollywood contract, big money, and uh, you know, there's even. Um, 
uh, Timothy is absent from the final scenes. The only thing that we see is that he is on the cover of some magazine winning a prize as, a, as Dumbo's manager. But then, you know, Dumbo clearly moved moved uh, ahead of, of Timothy and, and made his own fame and fortune in uh, with all these uh, movie and radio contracts in uh, in Hollywood. Making lots and lots of, of of money, probably getting becoming a very overweight elephant afterwards, and <laughs> and ending up on the Biggest Loser Ranch or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the story doesn't tell us. Although, just as with Bambi, there seems to be a Dumbo too. Did any of you see that movie? Or oh Is no, it, I'm I'm not about the sequels at, for Disney. I I guess I've been uh, spoiled. I it's, guess I guess we'll we'll have to uh, save the 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 sequels for uh, you know, perhaps I don't know a sub series or special yeah. episode. I'm 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 curious to see it just to see if they kind of what they do with the story so so many years after the the original story. Um, it, it's like with me, um, they did a sequel to Gone with the Wind, and I'm like, I refuse to see it because I want to live in my own little happy memories about what what I think happened. Right. Yeah. What I think happens. To Sometimes Dumbo stories just have to end, and you have to fill it in yourself. Yeah. Which I think again is part of the success of Dumbo. It is a blank slate. You can you can the story itself lends itself to many different interpretations, and you can use it as a metaphor for the war. Uh, there is even a, I think a, again some Christian symbolism that you can read read into it, or or perhaps it was somehow present in the original story. I don't know because there's clearly something going on with this, you know, little Dumbo uh, who uh, seems to lose everything, gets this extreme humiliation, just like Jesus was, you know, born as a child, uh, menaced by his surroundings. Uh, there's this King Herod that try- tries to kill him. Uh, his his mom protects him, uh, nurtures him, and then they get separated because Jesus gets uh, uh, arrested and gets, you know, humiliated in a horrible way, his mother witnessing all that. And then, of course, you've got the, the, the ending where Jesus, after all that humiliation, becomes the Savior. And, and, and Dumbo clearly has a very similar um, storyline here. Uh, where he is humiliated, but he turns out to be the savior of the, of the of the story, the savior of the circus, and and the big star, um, and so, uh, and then even you know the whole symbolism of flying and 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 uh, <laughs> all that it entails in terms of you know the connection with heaven and huh, there there is something there's a huge fascination with flying as because it 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 kind of talks to our aspiration of. Ultimately, I think the destiny of our life, which is not just this earth, but it's, you know, our, our soul is meant to fly away from this earth. And, and uh, our destiny is literally, it's the stars, it's, it's heaven. And, uh, and that's where Dumbo is flying. So I don't know. There, there, again, many different ways uh, that you can uh, just watch this movie and, 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 and associate it with things going on in your own life or in, in, in the time... Uh, uh, that we live in the the events of the of of history, like the world war that was going on at the time. That's the strength. That's the power of stories. Uh, if it's a good story, you can keep reading it. And even though this movie uh, is and it's one of the big exceptions in the Disney lineup, uh, is a movie that that at the time was taking place in 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 its in, in current in current days. Uh, the story itself is timeless. Um, it's it's very much like uh, the classic movies, like Gone with the Wind, like I don't know, Back to the Future, and you can you can watch these movies over and over again. 
and they the, the there's nothing uh, the the story itself doesn't diminish in in strength because the the, the themes of the movie uh, tr- kind of transcend the time during which the, the story is told. Right. Well, I think that's about it for uh, for Dumbo. <laughs> And that uh, also wraps up our first season of The Secrets of Disney. Now, of course, you uh, if you are a longtime listener to this show, you know that we've, we've discussed both current movies uh, or recent Disney movies and um, the, uh, the classics. But there are many more Disney movies. And that's why, of course, there's going to be a second season. <laughs> and uh, we will take some time to uh, prepare this second season and record these episodes and do the research and trying to find people that can tell us all about either trains or, um, you know, gumbo. What was it? Gumba soup? Gumbo. <laughs> gumbo. <laughs> yeah. or, or child rearing or, yeah. <laughs> you know, or uh, elephants, you know, whatever any, the any expertise ex- is. Anything yeah. that can uh, help us find experts to come on the show, uh, just like Father Jay today, who knew mm-hmm. all about trains. I mean, you blew me away with your no- your, your knowledge about the, the, the trains and, and, and Disney's passion of trains. That's, it's unbelievable. Um, has there ever uh, been another trivia for Father yeah. Jay? Who those of us who know Father Jay? What's your dog's name? Mickey. Mickey. As in Mickey Mouse, he's actually right? Not no, he's not after not actually named after the mouse. He's actually named <laughs> after Saint Michael the Archangel. Oh, oh no way! I thought it was the, as in Mickey Mouse. I, oh, okay. But then, of course, the, the the mouse is perhaps called after oh, just... Saint Michael. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. No, but I I know you're a Disney. You love Disney a lot, so I, I oh, couldn't yeah. wait to get you on the show. Yeah, we need well, to do. I can't uh, wait to meet Disney in the other side. No, no, <laughs> and ride trains forever and ever. At least part of your eternity. <laughs> <laughs> trains in heaven. Oh, yeah, that's gonna be awesome. Uh, I, we should actually do some type of get together in Disney World someday with the listeners of this show and then with Father Jay and all the all the all the people that were ever featured on this show. We'll do that when we ourselves have a contract with Hollywood and make lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> and of course that is gonna happen when elephants fly. <laughs> <laughs> That wraps up this episode and this season of The Secrets of Disney. We hope you enjoyed the show. Go over to sqpn.com, the website of the StarQuest Production Network, for all our other shows that we produce. And, of course, we hope that you stay subscribed to this feed. Don't unsubscribe. There are going to be other uh, episodes of this podcast when we have our second season ready. And in the meantime, of course, you can uh, stay in touch with us via uh, internet. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash fatherroderick. Uh, Deborah, you're also on Twitter, and you have uh, uh, another podcast. You're, well, you are a host on uh, a co-host on on other shows, but you have your own podcast as well. Currently, I am doing a podcast called I Pilgrim Podcast with uh, a couple other people, uh, Sandy and, and Steve Nelson. Or Sandia, I can't say her last name because it's Spanish. But uh, <laughs> and uh, we are doing a um, kind of a a mix of a how-to pilgrimage as well as kind of um, some some other things that are going on around the pilgrimage to Santiago, Spain. Um, for those of you who have ever wanted to go on a pilgrimage, um, either by foot or otherwise, this might be your podcast. Very cool. Where can people find that podcast? What's the uh, URL of the website? Um, www.i 
ipilgrimpodcast.com. Uh, I just need to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's no, it. That's, that's the one, <laughs> ipilgrimpodcast.com. And of course, we'll include a link in the show notes. Father Jay, you also have a podcast. What's the name of that podcast? It is the iPodre podcast, and mm-hmm. it's about all things Catholic and then some. Okay. And where can people <laughs> find that podcast? Just go to ipadre.net. Excellent. iPadre.net. So we've got an iPilgrim, an iPadre. What am I? I don't know. Actually, <laughs> I have to thank Father Jay. Father Jay came up with a name for my podcast. Oh, interesting. Really? Years ago. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> iPadre, iPilgrim. Father I Jay, um, hmm. last, uh, before I went on the pilgrimage two years ago, I asked what I should call um, my podcast if I ever get around to making one. And Father Jay said it should be iPilgrim. Very cool. cool. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. The, the. <laughs> Once in the future, we'll do a secrets of the the uh, I Pilgrim podcast, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about this in the first part. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that that Father Jay, who turned uh, into this, uh, you know, when he became Pope, he had the whole railway system <laughs> of the Vatican refurbished. <laughs> But it all began with the show, uh, The Secrets of Disney. All right. Well, we're starting to banter here. It's time to wrap <laughs> things up. Thanks for listening. Uh, we really hope you enjoyed this show. Uh, send us your feedback, Disney at sqpn.com, and uh, we'll see you around on the web. See you next time. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.